time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jaja, call me, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey! This is escape? Then where the pod? Here's the Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and we've got Blake in uh, the Escape Pod today to chat all about Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, which is uh, one of the latest Oculus games on uh, the VR market. It came out November 19th, uh, just in 2020. Not that long ago, but it's been uh, it's been a, a little bit and I uh, figured it was time to, to do a chat on it. Uh, now, out of the two of us, I'm actually the only one that's played the game, so I'll be going through the story and Blake has got some questions which might line up with... Uh, most people out there that haven't played the game, but we're just going to break it down as best as possible and uh, just chat all about what the, what it's like. So stay tuned. Another happy landing. All right, welcome back to the Escape Pod, Blake. Hello there. <laughs> Hello there. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good to be back. Uh, looking forward to this. Should be fun. Yeah, yeah, I figured. I mean, obviously, I would have preferred uh, kind of passing around my headset these days. But <laughs> Yeah, that'd be cool. I still need to play the Vader Immortal games as well. I know you right. were on me about that a while back and then pandemic, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Reed, uh, Reed was kind of, uh, when those games were, were dropping, he was uh, kind of the the uh, the first person that, that actually was on the show that had a chance to try it when when he was over and this was before all this stuff was going on mm. so uh so um anyone listening uh there's breakdowns of those games as well um and uh you could find those way back on our it's like some of the first couple episodes actually that this show that this show covered so uh doing another vr breakdown is kind of uh it's kind of like og escape pod right here just doing, <laughs> doing another one of that stuff uh but so you haven't uh, you haven't played this game yet um but you no, know we'll- i did play the really early ilm x lab game that came out where you had to repair the falcon right i right. did play that and then uh, you and i did the it was like a game that was very similar to Darth Vader Immortal, except it's you have to go to actual facility and you wear the backpacks. You go uh, into Vader's yeah. base on Mustafar, I think. Yeah, yeah. The Star Wars Secrets of the Empire, the the, the, hi, the hyper reality VR experience. Yeah, and so, that was so cool. That was very cool, actually. And and there's some tidbits of that game that tie in with the Vader Immortal trilogy that they did. Uh, but um, in general, I think that that's kind of a one of a kind experience because yeah, you can't actually get the access to that at home. You have to go to a, a company called The Void and, uh, and and get you know pay like I don't know some crazy fee. It's like seventy dollars. Yeah, it's like or, a, a ride. It's like Disney World or whatever. Yeah, so. the whole experience like between forty five minutes to an hour sort of thing. It was super cool though, and they actually had a set kind of that you had to go through. So you had the the goggles on, so you were seeing. A CG version of everything. They actually had walls like built up, mm-hmm. so you could actually touch stuff. And they also had special effects. So they had 
uh, fans that would blow heat on you and, and stuff. So it would actually feel like you're on a, a pad that actually moved over top of lava. It was pretty sweet. Yeah, it was it was great. Like I, I really uh, it's too bad that, you know, we don't have greater access to that stuff in our area because uh, it was it was a fun time. It's something I would definitely do again because yeah the, we, the interesting part about that game was that it was more than just a game it was also kind of like a simulator because you know you walk into a room and because it's a wireless vr backpack you're wearing so you're walking around this physical set like you said but in the vr goggles you see everything as if it would be in the star wars world right and and you know you you naturally you see a row of blasters on the wall and you know first reaction is like can we actually like grab these and sure enough you mm-hmm. can pick them up and it's all hand tracking so no controllers or anything and uh you know instantly we, we, like a bunch of lunatics we start firing guns at the ceilings yeah, and, yeah. Can, and then all of a sudden the alarm and, goes yeah, off immediately give away that we're broken in <laughs> we're just, we're to be spies. Yeah, instantly we just dropped out of character right like it's so I mean, funny i think that was the whole point of the thing is that we like we're staying in character because we're disguised we're as blend in. yeah using the holographic disguise matrix that they introduced in the clone wars and all that and uh and we're, we look like stormtroopers to the rest of the people but but yeah instantly we're just like it's pretty you know, funny like, yeah cowboy style like guns dual wield yeah E-11s. dual wielding guns and stuff yeah 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 it's just so ridiculous it was a good time though yeah i remember but really enjoying that i feel like that really set the bar for me though so whenever i see a lot of these new vr games coming out i'm always going to probably compare to that on some level it's it's tough to compare to for sure and i think one of the goals of quest 2 being a a consumer well in a way it's a consumer headset being a cheaper price and like the build quality is is not as premium as as more some of the more expensive ones but the displays are very very good some of the highest ones you can get right now some of the highest resolution displays and it does not tethered right no and it's yeah so it's wireless and uh and it has room scale tracking so so the it kind of mimics on a smaller much smaller scale it mimics kind of what we had as Mm. far as uh as far as a setup goes it even has built-in speakers if you don't have your own headphones to plug into it you can just kind of have your ears free in the room and stuff. So it's nice that they've put out some of these Star Wars experiences that have been built specifically for this headset um, and then for the first version of Quest as well, uh, but uh, being the Vader Immortal stuff. So at the time when those were coming out, I was emulating them on my Vive, but at this point now I've got the Quest 2 and I was able to properly uh, play uh, this this new game, which the now being the, uh, I guess if you count that little trial ILM X Labs one plus the droid bay depot for the last Jedi, which was like a little thing. It kind of like the ILM X Labs like testing thing, but it was like you could move droids or the BB eight units around the room and get okay. them to do certain things. Yeah, it was very kind of gimmicky. Um, and then there was the three Vader games. So this is now, I guess, the sixth VR Star Wars oh, wow. game that, okay. that they've come out with. Yeah. Um, and finally they came out with a game that's like a, a full length game. So the one thing the easy thing about Vader Immortal that was it was nice as uh, in a time in which people were able to visit. Uh, I was able to stick the headset on somebody and go, okay, this is a 45 minute thing. And then, you know, I would stream it to the TV, watch them from my couch. And then, and then uh, that was it. Like it was 45 minutes. This game on the other hand is it's got a story mode. Like it's like a campaign. It's kind of like an RPG where it's like, it puts you in the character of, of, uh, of uh, a non-speaking role. So it really kind of, 
you know, makes you feel immersed as yeah. if you are that person. And, and I'm uh, looking at uh, some of the videos and stuff online. It seemed like this was, was taking a lot more of a classic RPG style game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, in the beginning, I mean, it really sets you up in that environment. Uh, it, it gives you the job of uh, you're playing an engineer on a on a uh, a big ship that's shuttling cargo and stuff through space, and you're above space on uh, above Batu, and then uh, pirates raid your ship and everything, and and uh, stuff kind of goes chaotic. Not just pirates. But- the Glovian oh, Death the, Gang. The, the, the Glovian Death Gang. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Glovian Death Gang primarily introduced in the, the Force Awakens. The yeah. the, uh, the, the guys the, with the red the, eyes. The Deadpool's. <laughs> Yeah, the Deadpool's of Star Wars. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was it was cool because you know right away you know you get this wrist gadget which has uh, three little utilities on it. One of them is like a scanner gadget. One of them is a compass, and then one of them is like a a, a, a message playback for like holograms and stuff like that. Uh, so amongst these three gadgets, you know you can kind of make do. That's kind of like your handy your handy little thing and then you also have a, a multi-tool with like three three different tools like it's a flame torch a screwdriver and uh there's uh there's something else on the last one i, I forget what it is but oh uh, an electro pronged like thing you can like charge something up so mm. so you have like this multi-tool and this wrist gadget and those are kind of your two primary things that you start off with and have through the through through the whole game so uh you know if you come across a crate or anything or like a control panel that you have to slice open you have that kind of stuff yeah to, I, to, and I, I hope these tools are rated for more than just plumbing Oh yeah, <laughs> mind you. I mean, I'm sure if if the game wanted to get more into depth, I think fixing toilets would probably be a, a nice yeah. little thing to, to to throw in there. Easter egg, yeah. you know. That was uh, a Mandalorian quote, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, <laughs> just trying to break into the base. It's, it's coming back to me now. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's it was cool. It's a cool start for the game, and and uh, like I mentioned, like all these other characters kind of talk at you and feed off of what they think your response might be. So your character that you mm-hmm. play as never has yeah. any lines, which then further kind of integrates you in that world, um, because if you felt a voice coming out of your own head like you 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 just it kind of it's a disconnect right because you you are that person and then it's not your voice that's speaking right so they've totally knocked that part out and and it's just it's it's like you are the the guy in this star wars story so that's what i found the most cool about this compared to uh uh well it's the same with the vader immortal ones as well but uh compared to many other rpg games you can play on the computer like this really puts you in that physical environment and and yeah it's not hyper reality with the whole 80 dollar for an hour setup sort of ordeal uh but uh, it's as close as it comes to playing something like this at home and uh you know i'd say it's it's worth you know the extra little bit of money that you pay for this one i think it's like 35 dollars or something like that it's around Um, there i think yeah yeah, and they do throw in one kind of bonus adventure, and uh, I, I guess we'll get into the DLC in just a little bit. But um, what I found also really cool is this bonus adventure uh, is a story that takes place in the High Republic era. So oh, yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, so I'll kind of get into that in a bit. But uh, but yeah, just in a nutshell, you're an engineer on a ship. Pirates invade. You end up crashing on Batu outside of Blackspire Outpost, uh, and I, th- I believe you have to make Which your is way. Which the, the Disney? 
Yes. Uh, actual uh, like the park. Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. Yeah. Galaxy Edge Park from, from Disneyland. So Which surprisingly, uh, from what I could gather, you can't actually explore the Disney Park section of that's right. That's right. Two in the game, even though you can see it from a window. Yeah, that's right. So the so the crummy thing about this game is it had a big opportunity to recreate a digital version of the Disneyland Galaxy's Edge in this game, and that's actually not the case. So uh, you have multiple. I, I only figured this out when I finished the campaign, which is kind of foolish of me but i i clicked i clicked through the menus and found there's a quick travel and a map of like the whole thing whereas i was trying to memorize like which sections led to what section yeah because yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a big loop as far as like where you can physically travel in the game and uh and then uh kind of go from uh the the galaxy's edge like black spire outpost around the batu kind of wildlands and stuff mm-hmm. and then back to the the town again so uh it, it's multiple locations out there and like you know you come across you go through the, the the forest and then like the swamps and the caves and uh you see you go through like some of the wreckage of the ships and everything like that and along the way of course you're always fighting uh probe droids from the pirates as well as the pirates themselves and you're trying to collect um uh, multiple, so there's multiple things you can collect uh, as far as side quest goes. There's pieces of a, uh, one of your droids that you need to piece together. Uh, there is a section where you end up having an, uh, a, a, you end up finding R2D2 and C3PO and have to kind of rescue them. Uh, there's all these little miniaturized droids that are kind of experiments is the way that they call it. And it's actually an in-canon version and reason for why they sell these miniaturized droids as toys at Galaxy's Edge. Ah, uh, so, so it all comes together. Yes. So <laughs> it, when you go to Galaxy's Edge, you buy these little tiny BB-8s and these R2 units from the Droid Depot uh, and you get these uh, these what are they called cards personality chips or something that you can okay. put into your droid and they make unique sounds and all that stuff so those droids are in this game and you have to kind of find all of them and and then you get like an achievement or whatever for finding all of them so is um, it the main story you're actually trying to find a piece of cargo that fell off of your ship from orbit uh yeah so so there's like yeah because kind of like what i was saying like there's all these like minor objectives but like the main the main objective is uh well there there is like a story kind of aspect to it and uh actually you know what i'm actually blanking on all the all the objectives hold on let me say let me just look this up for a second here. I, I believe one of them is fruit so you're supposed to find these yes. fruit for the yeah, one of, bartender. Yeah. One I of them was, was fruit. Very ironic because you are searching for fruit while being chased and killed by fruit. Uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and by that I mean you're looking for guava fruit being killed by the Guavian Death Gang. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, I I I, uh, I found it I found it interesting, like going after all these fruits because uh, oh, also another achievement you can get is eating a bunch of fruits as well. But <laughs> get sick. <laughs> yeah. So you have to collect uh, ingredients for a drink that you then take to. There's only there's two locations you can go to in Galaxy's Edge, and that's it. The rest of Galaxy's Edge, like the park that you normally see at Disneyland, you actually see through the windows of uh, the cantina that you can go into and make this drink, a uh, Cecil Slacks 
cantina. So once you make the drink, uh, he, the bartender, tells you this story of uh, of something that happened on Batu a long, long time ago, and then it flashes you back into the role of a Jedi Padawan during the days of the High Republic, where you go into this Jedi temple, which apparently there's a Jedi temple on Batu on the other side or whatever, and uh, Yoda is there, you know, a younger, a younger Yoda, and uh, you have to take care of destroying or, or uh, uh, this Sith relic that's been unleashed in the, the Jedi temple that's causing chaos and stuff like that. And so all these little demon creatures are running around and uh, it's actually quite scary, but um, <laughs> it was only about 30 minutes. It maybe if you were to really bash through it, maybe slightly less or, or around there, but yeah, I heard um, it was around 20 minutes ish. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of took my time with it uh, not knowing how long it was. And I, I think I hit about 30 minutes, but, um, it was really cool. Like, like I liked how they assumed you knew a bunch of stuff from Vader immortal. And so, you know, if you hit all the certain controls that you would invader immortal, it does the same general stuff with your lightsaber in this game as well. So the mechanics are all the same as soon as you get a lightsaber in your hand. That's good. And be consistent. And then they're kind of setting a baseline then if they make a larger game uh, that they'll probably have the same mechanics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um so yeah so that that's uh that's the dlc the the, the yeah. first and, and the the story of that dlc is called uh temple of darkness which is the the name of this first out of three uh, bonus stories that will eventually come to the game and these additional two are are not yet out those are uh coming later mm-hmm. um which uh, i didn't actually know about and i think it's going to be paid for dlc which that's is, what it looked like yeah you have to pay for the extra content yeah and i'm assuming that that content is actually going to be longer than this first thing if it's not then maybe it'll be about the same length and maybe be like a cheaper price yeah, like five bucks or something yeah which i wouldn't mind throwing five bucks out there for another story like it's, it's the one thing that i'm like hey there's like replayability to it and mm. i don't know like i've never had a problem investing in anything to do with vr just because it's a growing industry and like i really want to like kind of help that grow and you know vr games come out it's like i, I want to be able to star wars games that are story content so you want to try to support that too yeah yeah exactly i mean the fact that there's uh that there's six now ex- different experiences plus a seventh one being the secrets of the empire uh is it's it's, it's crazy i mean like to think that I've done um, a lot, honestly. Oh, yeah, it's starting to become yeah. a bit of a, a franchise. I feel like they they realize that VR Star Wars is one of the coolest things that anybody could possibly do. Like any fan, that's that's kind of the end goal, right? As right. far as gaming. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and as far as Star Wars games have always been such a big thing too. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, but- I'm still dreaming of the days where we're gonna get Kotor three and full VR. It'll be so cool. Oh man, I mean, yeah, it's it's happened where in the past, just out out like with other Star Wars, with other non Star Wars games, like they've done conversions of things like uh, like Skyrim and and stuff like that. Yeah, I know it's a bit janky, but it's yeah. the, the first steps towards getting right. a full immersive RPG style game in mm-hmm. VR. So yeah, yeah, actually, exactly. I, while I was uh, watching videos on this Galaxy's Edge game, it actually dawned on me, uh, speaking of Skyrim, which is Elder Scrolls, the company that makes that, Bethesda, was recently purchased by Microsoft. So mm-hmm. that made me think today, 
maybe they bought Bethesda so they could make them make a f- like fully integrated VR game. Maybe. Um, because Microsoft that, has their own VR system. That's a yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I didn't even think that. Um, so yeah, Microsoft's VR system is called Mixed Reality, and uh, they kind of work in co-op with uh, with Steam. Like they're like if you buy a Mixed Reality headset, you can use them in the Steam marketplace, um, and and other you can also use them to emulate games on the Oculus platform. But but officially, they're supported by by Steam as well. And uh, yeah, like you can get like experiences for those headsets uh, exclusively on the Microsoft Store and uh, on their mixed reality portal. That's I think pre-installed with most Windows 10 computers these days. But uh, yeah, it makes you wonder though if maybe Bethesda's Indiana Jones game is well, going to be a, a Xbox exclusive. Yeah, that was my worry because I've been an Xbox guy for a really long time, and after the X. I didn't buy the Xbox one. I actually didn't buy a console at all for that generation. And going into this next one, I was planning on switching to PlayStation, but Bethesda is my favorite game studio. And now that they become Microsoft exclusive, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> right, right, right. I uh, honestly, when it, when it comes to consoles, I've kind of, I've kind of, uh, I've kind of given up. I, I've just, I've just fully embraced PC gaming and VR. And yeah, uh, there's just something about sitting on my couch. Right. Well, I, yeah. Okay. So I, I, um, I've got one of those steam link boxes where I can like stream my steam games to the computer or sorry, to the TV. Uh, you can also get like Android TVs, like the Nvidia shield, which will do generally the same thing, but, but not every PC game is going to be good on a controller. So yeah. I, I find, I don't know, I've got a good chair and everything. I don't mind sitting here at my desk, but, uh, but yeah, sometimes it's nice if you're playing a relaxing game to like, yeah like i've been playing borderlands 2 and then all of the bethesda games like fallout and uh, Uh, is something you can crash on the couch yeah yeah i do i like playing with a controller on a television but at the same time you also lose access to mods if you're not going to play on pc so right it's it's tough call yeah um so Tales from a Galaxy's Edge, it's about a three to four hour long campaign. And uh, the uh, here, let's I got I got a category of things up here. OK, there's one thing I wanted to touch on, though, oh, that yeah. before we had went on the tangent for gaming uh, oh, VR sure. stuff, sure, uh, you were talking about how uh, they're going to be releasing stories, quotations from uh, the bartender. Mm. What was his name? Sleemo something, sleazy, Sleemo something, sleazy, sleazy, Cecil, sleazy sack, yeah, Cecil, Cecil slack, oh sleazy Cecil, yeah. One thing I thought was pretty cool is how they're doing the extended content. Is he's gonna quote unquote tell you a story and then you play out that story, but just by him. I think saying, oh, uh, that reminds me of a story that happened. It means they could actually tell uh, storylines of games that aren't necessarily canon because it could be something that he's just overheard from rumor. And so it almost fits theoretically into the legends category of the novels and stuff. And that's that's actually uh, it's interesting you bring that up. So there's a couple books that have come out over the last couple of years 
the first one being called the the Legends of Luke Skywalker. I don't know if you want to look that up, but it's it's kind of a uh, a teenage slash junior novel, and it's uh, it's filled with short stories evolving around a younger Luke Skywalker after the events of Return of the Jedi. And all these accounts of people who have possibly seen him do certain things. And some of them are like absurd. And then some of them are somewhat believable. But the point of the whole book was that it was people in the canon, in the story, uh, all on a ship sharing these stories with each other about mm, the Jedi okay. and about, yeah. about Luke Skywalker. So some of these accounts seemed a little fishy. Some of them sounded yeah. okay. But it was a way, I think, for them to really kind of draw on this Legends-esque kind of level of storytelling yeah. and blow things out of proportion in some areas for the sake of creativity. And uh, I was okay with that. I didn't find the book was that great, but I, I thought the concept was cool. Yeah. And they come out with a few of them since then. They've come out mm. with one called... Uh, myths and fables, Star Wars myths and fables, and then there was another one called uh, Star Wars. Uh, uh, what is it like? Dark? Maybe it was like dark myths and fables or something like that. Or um, it was something along like uh, the lines of uh, the author is is uh, George George Mann. So uh, he's written uh, a slew of a slew of stuff, uh, I guess. Um, evolving around that. Oh my goodness. If um, this almost seems like that's starting to become a thing then because dark legends, uh, that's what it's called. Dave Filoni was asked about the original 2005, 2004 cartoon clone wars series. And mm-hmm. he said that those are now like in the star Wars universe considered like stories that were told about people talking about the clone wars. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, so it's I, like I, they're not canon, but they're still like sort of included. So like they didn't actually happen, but uh, a really good example actually is in one of the episodes itself. Uh, Mace Windu fights this battle single-handedly, fighting like ten thousand, fifteen thousand droids. Right. And there's this kid sitting on on the hill, and he's watching this battle take place, mm. and. Uh, I think Dave even explained it this way. The idea of those stories is it was the story was then shared by that kid. He told everyone about what happened. So it's from the kid's perspective. So everything's going to be greatly exaggerated. Right. That actually makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And then they, cause they really get into the fine details as to like how Grievous got his cough. Yeah. And how I Anakin that got his, so cool. yeah, I lost his, yeah, yeah. And how Anakin got a scar and everything. Yeah. So like a lot of that stuff didn't get addressed in the 3D animated Clone Wars show. Um, but um, I'm glad that, yeah, that, that that's a, that's an interesting way to look at it for sure. Uh, do you, do you like that idea of like, I them- do. Uh, and maybe it's just because I'm a bit biased because I actually really like those cartoons. Hmm. I mean, I was of the age and I had access to Cartoon Network when they were coming out in between the, episodes yeah. two I and three. DVDs for those. Yeah. yeah. I still go back and watch them once in a while. It was pretty cool. They're, like they're some pretty- of the stories, especially like the clones and stuff, they're like super badass. They get like infiltration and everything. They never yeah. really had any voices except for a handful of them. But right. it, it was just, I don't know, it was really cool. And they brought in that really badass bounty hunter was like made out of like worms and slime or whatever yeah yeah it, it is uh it is a very cool 
uh, artistic take on Star Wars as well. You know, there's yeah. nothing, nothing really else like it. Um, yeah, so ever. true. Yeah. And I already like the art team that did it, the studio, because they also made uh, Samurai Jack, I think, or Samurai Samurai something. Mm, right. I think Samurai Jack's the Samuel Jackson one, but <laughs> 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 maybe I'm right. I'm getting them mixed up here. Sam Jack. <laughs> Sam Jack. Um, are, you, are you looking it up there? Yeah, I got to figure it out now. So, uh, so this, yes, it's Samurai Jack. That was right. Samurai, Samurai sure Jack. To, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I actually haven't seen that show before, but, uh, yeah. Interesting visual style. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's a good way to kind of bring it back into the fold again, in a way. I actually didn't know that that was a, a working. Theory. Yeah. I think that I can't remember where I heard that Dave talk about that. It might've been on RFR. Hmm. It was a long time ago, so maybe I'm even wrong, but that's right. what I recall uh, being the answer. Yeah. Huh. Well, um, so so uh, about Galaxy's Edge, the uh, the campaign. I mean, three to four hours long. Uh, it, it's 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 not even what you that would call, seems long. Some of the people yeah. I saw said maybe two hours. <laughs> it depends how much you explore. So I mean, I was also really trying to get all those side quests done. But uh, some people would just bash this story. They can definitely do it in two hours. But uh, it, yeah, it's 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 cool in the sense that it gives you a sense of like, okay, yeah, this could be open world. But once you do enough exploring, it is an open world on the rails, if that makes any sense. So like okay. each, each section of the open world uh, that goes in the span of the wildlands of Batu, it's all very like, you know, it, it's a path that is just extra wide that you can only go this way or that way. They all, yeah. eventually, it all eventually leads to the same place, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not like it's a, a square map where you can go in every which direction. You can either go forwards or you can go backwards and the, the trail is just curvy and, you know, uh, made to feel as if it's open world, but it's, it's a level, it's still a level based system. So, uh, yeah, the finale though, I, I guess, I guess you, you end up taking out like the leader of, of the, the gang and stuff like that and, <laughs> and, and save like the, the, you know, the town and, uh, yeah. and whatever else, right? Like, you know, you, you end up single-handedly overthrow the Guavian death gang, just some random guy who packs boxes on a ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I got a uh, video here that we're going to just take a listen to. It's called Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge reveal video. It's not the trailer. It's just a little more of an in-depth look at the game itself. Uh, so if any of you guys want to take this, uh, take a look at this, it's on the Star Wars YouTube channel. Uh, just Google search it at home and uh, you can watch this. It's I think it's like five minutes, and 30 seconds. But uh, we're just going to take a listen to the audio because there's some interesting things that they bring up in the video that I figured uh, any of you guys on the podcast who uh, don't have time to watch the video could just listen to it right here. So three, two, one, play. is Jose Perez III. I'm the director on Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. It's a new virtual reality experience where we're going to explore and expand on oh, the so that's story an important thing to know. The story Optimus, takes place between those two movies. At Galaxy's Edge. My name is Kishore. 
I was actually gonna I'm an animation ask you if it's more it towards the sequels. Yeah, all based on the sequels. Between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. In classic Star Wars fashion, the story starts off with you on a cargo ship, some pirates attack. Before you know it, you've kind of crash landed onto Batu, and you're getting swept up in your adventures with all these fun characters at Black Spire Outpost. My name's Steve Hendricks. I am visual director on Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. We're working super hard to push the limits as we always do at XLab. We really want people to experience an authentic Star Wars story and that starts with- I believe that adventures. is actually the Falcon ride. We get to work ride. with Walt Disney mm. Imagineering right. on this project, right. which is just ridiculously exciting. Matching the look and feel of Galaxy's Edge is our main goal. We even brought over some of the artists and assets from Smuggler's Run to make sure that we were maintaining a consistent visual style. My name is Alyssa Finley, and I am the senior producer on Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. It has been fantastic to collaborate with Oculus Studios. We worked Slazy with them sack. on Vader Immortal, <laughs> and we've gotten to work with them again on Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. We're working together to bring the story to life. Ah, I thought I recognized when that. You get on to uh. two, you end up in Cecil Slack's cantina with a new face you've never seen before. Cecil Slack, the cantina's bartender, who's a little rough around the edges. And he was the same race as the six-size character that was first seen in the Solo movie. I play Cecil Slack. He's a little kooky, and it, maybe being alone and not having a lot of customers has affected him. He enjoys his life. He's got a bit of a belly. Kind of reminds me of Jexter Dexter. Yeah, a little bit. Patrons. But he takes some pride in his cantina. He, when he sees a spot, he wants to wipe it off. You go there, he'll tell you stories, and he really gives you a gateway into the world of Galaxy's Edge. He's just the guy that's like, hey, did you see that ship out there? It's a Millennium Falcon. Can you believe that? Like, it's right there. Like, you know how many stories that ship has? Yeah, you ever heard about that ship? Pretty famous. Bobby Moynihan, who is an SNL alumni, he's an artist when it comes to this stuff, right? We write a line, and then Bobby will take that line and he'll expand on it through improv. Cecil Slack is just like sitting there reading a book and you can kind of go over and bother him, so we just improvised a bunch of Star Wars references. and like, oh, I can't believe they're dating, and like just stuff like that. Well, those two got together? <laughs> Not gonna last long. In this case, we're capturing the facial performance along with the audio. So they match perfectly. We capture the actor's intent. Okay. Jose was directing these sessions. It's really fun to watch. <laughs> I gotta tell you, most of the time, I'm relieved I'm not a chip. A lot of handy abilities, you know? You're not thinking this, you're not thinking that. Tara Rashim is a part of the Guavian Death Gang. She runs a tight ship, literally and figuratively. And when she has a goal, she will not take no for an answer, and she will never relent. As soon as we started working with Deborah, she literally brings 5,000%. She is super intense and wants Have we to seen a green corn before? Character. I don't that think so. Like I, I, yeah, I don't think we have. Let's do that. I don't even know if we've seen a We're woman corn. Right, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a there species no we don't see much of. No, definitely not. In what she does. Sometimes it simply is a matter of survival. I feel like the actress they we picked really for her looks pretty perfect. Open up what you could do in this yeah, actually, she has played a Star Wars character so in the past already, really I think, in, in there, uh, Jedi like Fallen Order. Oh, cool. We've got some versions of space darts that you can play. Fans are going to love this because being able to 
just walk around with these characters and experience their world and you become part of it. And I think that's the number one thing of being a Star Wars fan is you, is you want to be part of it. It's a very different experience than being an audience because you really become Dream come true a right there. character within oh, the story. Man. There's so many fun things. Actually, one of the side quests is clearing out the poor nests in the cantina. Did you get a flamethrower? Yeah, you get to shoot them away. You get to fire blasters. You get to fight Guadalupe's pirates. And you get to hang out with forks. And there's some appearances from some really iconic Star Wars characters. Ten-year-old me would be bowing down at my feet that I get to bring these characters to life. Star Wars means the world to me. I grew up with it my whole life. I played with the toys when I was a kid. Uh, we played it on the playground. Several transmissions were beamed to the ship by rebel spies. Okay, don't get me started, okay. To get to be involved in this is, is absolutely insane. <laughs> I'm actually a little giddy. It's literally a dream project for me. I can't wait for fans to dive in there and just fully immerse yourself. It's a new, fun way to get lost in the Star Wars universe. No, I just can't wait to play it. Yeah, I don't know. What what kind of... Uh, I know you had some kind of general questions, I guess, planned out. Uh, I I should have brought that up originally with the, with the story being uh, between episode seven and eight. But but uh, that's that's also kind of where I uh, where I was going with uh, when you have to rescue 3PO and R2. They they uh, are on Batu at this point in time as well. So it's, it's a nice way to kind of tie in some familiar characters into the game mm-hmm. as, as well as that story that flashes back to the higher public where you get yoda showing up as well and frank oz voices yoda in this experience oh that's cool yes so so that was another legitimacy yeah yeah exactly uh so uh yeah anyway uh what was what was kind of the first thing i guess because i I know a lot of people listening haven't played this experience and probably Mm -hmm. have a lot of questions themselves so hopefully maybe some of your questions cover what they're thinking as well most of my questions, I think, are related to like, gameplay-esque stuff. Maybe not necessarily story. But I have one very important story question that I feel all of the listeners at home are wondering. By the end of this story, do we find out that C-3PO has a red arm? Is this how he gets his red arm? <laughs> no. So, uh, so 3PO had the red arm in Force Awakens, which takes place before the story of this game. Oh, okay. But, uh, but if you want that story, it's actually in a Marvel comic called C-3PO. It's a one-shot comic, and I forget which, uh, which trade paperback it was included in, but uh, you can find it uh, on the Marvel Unlimited subscription if, if anyone uh, out yes, there has that. It's actually coming back to so. me now. We yeah, it's a yeah, one it's a one issue. Yeah, it's a one issue thing, yeah. uh, and uh, it it wasn't it wasn't necessary. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it really uh, wasn't. I don't know. They could have. They could have. I, I could have just gone without a red arm in the first place. You know, like, <laughs> well, they wanted. I feel like JJ wanted to add something because it's all about as the we toys, learned, man. Yeah. As we learned about uh, the original trilogy, he gets a silver leg. So, right. like, oh. Well, you know, JJ's got to copy everything he can, so they're going to add a red arm instead. You know, I find it funny that they had <laughs> they they felt like they needed the need to explain why he had a red arm, and nobody ever questioned yeah. why does he have a silver leg in the original trilogy when he's all gold in Episode Most Three. Most people didn't notice, and I was one of them. 
Right. Yeah, actually, it is harder to notice because the silver, I guess, is a really deep silver. So it blends in with the gold a lot. And it, yeah, because it really he's reflecting everywhere, it's just kind of, you know, yeah. And it's on his lower leg, whereas like his arm is kind of obvious and more apparent. For uh, sure. Yeah. And with modern cameras and everything, everything gets picked up very easily. And red is a very vivid color. So, um, you know, very much a lot easier to see. But but yeah, that story in a Marvel comic, I I totally believe it was just to sell toys, you know. Uh, though I one thing I thought actually was kind of cool about that is 3PO kept trying to like bring up the story to kind of brag about it and oh, just kind of brushed him off. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. like that part because that was a very 3PO thing to do. I, I do like that too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I suppose you're wondering why I have a red arm, and then yeah, exactly. You know, and everyone's nobody. like, we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm and he just launches into the story anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, but no, that's uh, yeah. So this story is between episode seven and eight and and kind of okay. kind of is on this on the side one of those subsidiary stories that uh has zero significance to the overall overall narrative but you yeah. know fl- flows in there regardless yeah okay have they explained yet why the falcon is at batu no uh they, they <laughs> haven't there is there is some allude i think there's some alluded uh tips by Cecil Slack, which you kind of going in and out of the cantina, he does talk about these things as as if a third person would, you know, like knowing mm-hmm. of the Millennium Falcon and stuff. And I think he said it's been through Batu before, um, or that it's scheduled to come in or something. And I mm-hmm. and I'm blanking on whether or not you even. I think you actually you can see it from the window of the yeah, cantina you, at you some can point. See it. You can see the top of it. Yeah. So so they they do allude to the fact that okay it's here but there's no story element to it aside from 3po and r2 getting uh getting a lift from someone i think when the end of the story is over right uh they kind of allude to the fact like oh our (laughs) our ride is on our way kind of thing but it's actually been there the whole time so uh (laughs) yeah i don't know it's it's kind of like it's one of those things just to help you flow into the park but um as an in-story thing it has no significance. Yeah. Hmm. So. Okay. Good to know. Uh, some non-story related points or questions is I was a little let down with the graphics, to be honest. It looks to me like something I would have played in the game in the early 2000s on the original Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> I know part of that is because it's VR and their technology right. is like mm-hmm. behind because they have to have such crazy frame rate. Though it seems compared to even other VR games, mm-hmm. it's not to par. Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I've read an article as well online. I think it was with The Verge. Uh, they were re- reviewing uh, this game and comparing it to Half-Life Alex, which at the moment is the top benchmark for a visually uh, and story-wise and length-wise what a VR game should be. Uh, that's comparable with a triple a game that you would play on your computer, but in VR. Right. So, so right. like that's, that's the, the best comparison there. Half-Life Alex is though, it, it's a big game. I, I don't know the size of it, but it really, it, it's required that you run it on your computer and then you have a headset that plugs into your computer or, or is able to stream it and, uh, and you play it like that. Right. Um, you also need a pretty decent graphics card to, to be able to do that. Tales from a Galaxy's Edge VR is designed for the Quest. So the that first means quest, not the second uh, one. 
in general, just like the platform itself. So, yeah. so like they had to keep the graphics and you can tweak them up and down, but uh, they had to keep the graphics to a minimal uh, because this game is designed for being played on mobile, which means that you're not tethered to a computer at all. You can play it uh, being tethered to a computer, and I think you will get a performance boost. But uh, in general, the game is is very much designed to be stored on the headset itself and run on the headset itself okay. on the battery that it has with the graphics chip that it's got. That so makes sense. It's and- all kept to be very, yeah. I had also heard uh, read that part of it was also because it had to be uh, playable on the first generation quest, not just the second one. So yeah, yes. I mean, it had to be a little bit farther back in tech for yeah. that reason. Yeah, that too. Yeah, uh, which is unfortunate because the second one has a better graphics chip. And I mean, that being said, the graphics chips in these headsets, in these VR headsets, are in some scenarios uh, not even as fast as... Uh, what you would get in a top-of-the-line phone these days. So the graphics chip in the first Quest was the exact same GPU as was in the Razer phone first generation from 2017. Razer has a phone? 2016, 2017. Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I used to have, well, I still have the Razer phone. And now, now I've got a Pixel. But um, the Razer phone had, for, the, for the, when, it, when it came out, uh, was pushing like the top specs ever. Like, like it was the first phone on the planet to have a refresh rate on the screen, which was uh, running at 120 and uh, now only only just this year are the iPhones and the Samsung phones getting this feature, whereas the Razer phone had it years ago, which was uh, uh, when was when was that phone out? I think it was uh, I think it was the fall of 2017 uh, is when that, yeah, that it was phone around came there out. early 2018. Yeah. So at this point now, uh, you know, it's been over three years since that phone came out and, uh, you know, very top of the line. I mean, for for pushing that kind of screen with external speakers the way it did and uh, had a tremendous amount of RAM and a good graphics chip. And so that graphics chip, though, flash forward, I, I think it was a year or two to the Quest, and uh, it's got the same graphics chip as that phone does. So this game is supposed to be designed to play uh, and not completely obliterate the battery on this on on a Quest 1 which is running on hardware that was designed three years and so odd months ago, uh, or even prior to that, because that phone dropped in the fall, but the graphics chip was being used from earlier that year. So we're talking about a three and a half year old, four max year old. It's a lot in VR years as well. Yeah. And in mobile computing, that's a lot of time, which means that this game did have to suffer a little bit uh, as far as graphics goes to be able to run that way. So yeah, it does look a little rough around the edges in 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 the headset uh when you're playing it it's like oh this like the textures are really low res and like the the cliffs and stuff are so low res and everything but it doesn't after like i don't know after like 10 minutes you just kind of forget about it yeah and i did also notice that the graphics on the ship at the beginning are a lot worse than on the planet itself yeah yeah and i think it's just due to like how heavy the environment has to be that you're walking around it because the whole environment has to be there, you know, because you're physically able to move, plus you're able to move via the teleportation system. And um, and that's how you navigate around uh, oh, an, so an area. Oh, so you used the teleportation system then. You didn't use the, the joystick? Right. 
Well, you use the joystick to aim your teleportation. Uh, you can also turn on the locomotion walking thing, but I get very sick if I oh, use that okay. because because it, it, then you're standing there in the headset and then moving, but you're like hovering because there's no camera shake as oh, if you're walking down. down. Yeah, and you're physically not moving either. So it's very, very motion sickening to be able to... Uh, yeah, it's like it's like standing there and then putting on this very immersive thing that makes you feel like you're in an environment and then moving without walking at all. It just it just doesn't make you feel very good. Um, it's different in a vehicle because it's more believable. But but yeah, it's all brain trickery, right? So yeah, naturally, I think <laughs> a lot a of people do term, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I I I always use the teleportation system if I can. But being a quest, if you have a large enough room, there it it does give you some area space to physically move in. But as you're making your way through Batu and stuff, obviously you're going to need to use this teleportation feature to navigate. Um, uh, yeah, it's nice to have that local that's, space though to reach down and duck behind objects and everything yeah, like that. So. To me, that's still one of the biggest issues with VR is getting around is very clunky because I personally really dislike the idea of teleporting everywhere. To me, that's very unimmersive. Hmm. Uh, so I, I get your issues with the locomotive part as well. What I don't get is why more games don't include the option to use the joystick itself to move around omnidirectional like a regular game controller because yeah. some games you can do that right yeah and some games um some games i guess find a way to make a vr experience without needing to walk anywhere so the the ilmx lab trial one that that uh, you played uh, was a good example of of a game that really was designed to not move very much like you can walk around in your local space but it was designed to be played in that local space and and nowhere else right and and whereas like this game being taking advantage of the room scale tracking and mobility of the quest uh it does give you the freedom to walk further but then furthermore the maps are are big so you know you do have to have some way of getting around and 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 you know if, if that's walking then it means using that uh, that touchpad or that joystick, whatever you have. Most VR headsets, um, if they're compatible with this game in any means necessary, they will have a controller which has an ability to move around in general. The, when I was using the Vive to emulate the Vader games on, it was the same way, but it's always tougher on those ones because those ones use like a touchpad wheel Whereas like the oh, yeah. Oculus, Oculus controllers have an actual joystick and the functionality of both is the same, but uh, it's just better when you're on a joystick. Yeah, it's like using a like Super Nintendo controller versus wearing using yeah. a, like a GameCube controller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so I'm curious then after you played this game, which is a little more open world, uh, compared to Vader Immortal, which is more story driven, which one uh, d did you prefer just for the overall like style and kind of feel of the game playability? Yeah, so with the story in Vader, like it's very on the rails, right? Like like you're being guided every step of the way as to where to go. And 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 it's that that is what it is. It's very much geared to be like an immersive ride that you go through and is interactive and you can, you know, wield a lightsaber and, and stuff like that. But it is very on the rails. That was the one complaint most people had about the game. 
I it didn't mm. bother me though. It was like each one, each part was like twelve bucks, and I've had more than quite a few hours of use out of each one of them playing the lightsaber dojo and then getting other people to try them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, this game being a little more expensive, I was like, okay, I'm expecting a little more and I got a little more. Like it was basically Vader mortal, but bigger, um, you know, the maps were bigger. It was a longer playtime. Uh, there was a lot more side quests to do and the freedom to jump around to different locations. Whereas Vader Immortal, it's it's like strictly level based. It's like it's, it's like you're looking at an interactive storybook where it's like, oh, I want to go to that chapter. And then you go there and the story picks up from that point in time and keeps going. Uh, whereas right. this one, the story is as you would expect in an RPG of any kind where you can freely go where you choose. But if you go back to where your last progress was, the story will keep going as intended kind of thing. So in a way, I like aspects of both because because the I found the quality of Vader Immortal, as far as visuals go, was a little better just because the maps oh, really? were, okay. were smaller. Yeah. yeah, the maps were smaller and, and in general, uh, well, the way that I played them was with the computer tethered to my Vive at the time. So I actually had my PC powering that so my first experience of both of these games, I found the Vader one to be a little nicer, but maybe that was just because it was like my first time playing like an actual good VR Star Wars game. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah. I don't know if they would have intentionally brought it back to make it more compatible with other VR headsets or I, as I would have thought, each one would progressively get a little better as they kind of figure out how to make stuff more yeah. streamlined. And with Vader, it, it it seemed to just be a constant thing, but it improve like but evolving the story. And then with this one, they did take what they learned with Vader Immortal and improved on it. But the problem was they had to compress it so densely to be able to fit in within like twelve or so gigabytes of, of storage on an Oculus Quest, which the base model you can get is sixty four gigs. So they didn't want to max out all your storage with one game, right? So, right. so it's like they do have to keep it somewhat reasonable, similar to a phone app. Uh, if you were to get anything on your phone, like you can get KOTOR and, and Minecraft and stuff on your phone and it doesn't take up the whole thing. Whereas if you get it on your computer, it's a lot bigger because they can unpack a lot of those compressed yeah, elements. Yeah, higher right? res textures and everything. Yeah, so, so the, the one thing I think that this game suffered from was that benchmark of having it designed for this older quest mm-hmm. hardware and then as a base right and then and then having that kind of hold it back from what it really was able to do and then i think if they put in a little more thought into the way that the story unfolded in the world they gave you yeah that's more what i heard a lot about and what kind of what i had gathered is the story felt really lackluster compared yes. to vader immortal yeah. yeah but obviously they were kind of going after different things but maybe they yeah. went too far in, their, in one direction where they should have mm-hmm. spent more time flushing out the story to be interesting yeah i think yeah and that's the best way i could put it as well i think vader had a solid story but very much on the rails and then this one the story wasn't as solid but you had more freedom to move around the maps and there was more locations to see as you choose kind of thing so yeah um so hopefully the next vr game as after we get through this dlc and stuff hopefully the next star wars vr game does combine the best of both worlds and by that point maybe the quest three might even be on the shelf i know there there's already talk that they're developing it now oh wow uh, okay which is crazy because the vr the quest two is like a hot item right now and it's like 
why maybe would that's, they, that's why yeah, more money to be made i guess so yeah so may, i might be selling this one uh, sooner than i thought <laughs> yeah i do find but, it kind of funny though that the the batu disney park has kind of been somewhat lackluster seems to be the overall response just there's yeah. not a lot to it and then right. this game that is supposed to maybe help bring more eyes to it as kind of a boring story <laughs> yeah 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 totally i think i think like in go to any, disneyland go to the star wars world and collect some fruit and droid arms laying around right and 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 doing it in like the jungles and wilderness and not actually in like the town itself yeah. which, or the black spire outpost as you call it introduced but, you to so many cool characters and stuff i don't know why they didn't maybe I, I, that'll be an expansion i have well, no idea that's the thing i'm hoping that maybe one of these expansions might not be one of these tales that the that the bartender tells you but tales more or less like yeah. an actual expansion to the game itself where it's like now you can actually go outside the door and instead of it just launching you into the wilderness which is what it did like like and then you're on the cliffside you can look down over the whole village from in the valley kind of thing uh black spire outpost that is uh so that's what it does right now when you leave one of these businesses you can choose to go to the wilderness or the other place in town but it would be cool if you could just exit out the door and be in the black spire outpost and go to all the same shops that you would in in disneyland but then have an in canon version that is similar but makes sense you know like it, mm. would, it would just be cool to have that it's so weird to me that they didn't do that in the first place that seems like one of the best things they could do right to and just it, bring extra eyes so yeah. that people would have that more familiarity because I, I believe was the biggest complaint to the Star Wars por- park, excuse me, in the first place is mm. there was no familiarity to what they built, which was, you know, the, yeah, it was all the new black, black Spire outpost or whatever. Right. And, and, so, the other, and the other thing is, is the, I heard some other people talking about this as well. They said that uh, the unfortunate thing about galaxies that is because, so part of me likes this part of me doesn't, but they make it very in canon feeling. So while you're yeah. there, you only see things in relation to the sequel films because you're that's in that where, time period. Yeah, you're in that time period. Whereas like in in what most people would not call Galaxy's Edge or Black Spire Outposts, general fans and, and majority of anyone who goes to Disneyland would just call it Star Wars Land, right? So yeah. they go to Star Wars Land, they think, oh, we're going to see you know, like, like Obi-Wan like and Darth Han Maul. Solo and, yeah. And like, well, yeah. Like, yeah. And again, Darth Maul, maybe some, some clones or whatever, like some, yeah. some things that aren't in, um, or like a younger Leia and you don't get that screwed stuff. Himself in that because they wanted to keep it Canon, which, you know, is, is really cool in theory, but it really limits to what you can do. Oh like yeah. They almost need three different parks for three different time periods. And you have to walk through some sort of teleportation time travel device to get to the each one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It makes me wonder what the Marvel expansion is going to be all about because they're doing something for the MCU in uh, the California Adventureland or whatever. So, so it makes me wonder kind of what, what the, concept is behind that they'll set it up and everybody goes uh, to see the avengers but everyone's already dead (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. so you just get hardly any content yeah no no one's left no one's left the snaps already happened that's right (laughs) just a way to cut down on budget like well you know 
It's canon. <laughs> but but who's going to play Thor? We're not going to need a Thor because in the movies, he's gone now. So right. <laughs> he's off with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So we can make an excuse that uh, that he doesn't show up in the park. It's like, it's like well, OK, so well, what about Steve Rogers? There. He's an old man and uh, we don't need to do it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> all these other things. Right? So many things. Um Anyway, yeah, I, I, like I was thinking, jokes. though, maybe that's why in Rebels, Dave Filoni added that time travel thing, because now we have an excuse to go to all three Disney parks. Right. Now, this is a theory that people <laughs> had about the sequels thinking like, well, what if it's just an alternate reality? And yeah, we can, right. we can get Georgia stories again. I think there's just a lot of people hoping like, yeah, I you mean, know, to, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. At this it's point. not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I mean, Unless I they mean, do I, a remake in 30 years, but I, I've been asked about this by other people too and like I, I was on I was I was actually on, on a call with uh, uh, Calvin who's been on the show before um, and we were uh, well we were we were all playing a game together and and one of his buddies was was saying hey I heard a rumor that they're gonna decanonize the sequel trilogy and I was like I didn't say anything at first but then after a little bit I'm like I, I don't think it's gonna happen like I said like They've invested so much into that era. I think what the plan is, is just to move on with something new. And that's exactly what they're yeah. doing. Like they're building other eras now. The higher like, oh public. man. Okay. Well, we've done everything we can here. Where, where else can we go to make money? Right. Yeah. And so, so like we're getting these two eras being building out right now, being the, the new Republic era with the live action shows like the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Range of the New Republic, Boba Fett, all that stuff. And then we have the High Republic era, which now we're getting all these comics and novels. And and now this being this expansion to the Galaxy's Edge game, which is, you know, the Temple of Darkness or whatever, is uh, the first official game, technically, that you can play in that time period. So I think it's cool that they're now taking what they did with the sequels, blending it with what now their new direction of story, which is this High Republic era, which so far I'm fairly impressed with. I'm I'm uh, 30% or so through Light of the Jedi. And uh, I think we have a uh, chat coming out about uh, about that one next uh, next Monday. We're going to be we're going to be talking about that one. But um, looking forward to that one. Yeah. Yeah. I know Bryce has been uh, he's he's actually started reading the comics, which I need to get to right after I finish okay. this book. Um, my plan but, this week is actually to get through the, the first novel. Yeah, he's already listened to it, I think, uh, or in the process of listening to it. So uh, so I guess I guess it'll be the three of us doing doing that I, I sent the invite to aj to join us because he's normally uh normally all about the star wars books but um whether or not he's able to make it is is kind of up in the air so we'll see but uh yeah anyway that that kind of summarizes uh the higher republic uh, in this game oh. and and uh you didn't you didn't specify one specifically if someone asked you should i purchase uh, the galaxy's edge game or should i purchase Vader Immortal, which one would you tell them to get? Oh, I, I would I would say if you've never played any Star Wars VR, start with Vader Immortal Episode 1. Yeah. Okay, there that's, you go. That's the Good best one. Yeah, that's the best one to start off with. It's it's like 11 bucks. Uh, you're going to get hours of replayability out of the... Uh, out of the lightsaber dojo mode and the story is solid you're going to want to buy episode two and three to continue that narrative and then by the end of it you'll have spent about 30 something odd dollars on that trilogy anyways which 
added up to like, okay, that time plus the, uh, the amount of money equals about the same I would pay for Tales from the Galaxy's Edge for about the same time and uh, less replayability because there is no lightsaber dojo mode and uh, the the length of the story is just a little too much for someone to just jump in and start playing. Whereas the Vader Immortal games, I've been able so many times been able to chuck it on someone's face 45 minutes later, they're done and they're able to have experienced a full story or at least a section of a Star Wars story in VR. Um, so that's been the appeal to me. So if you've never played Star Wars VR before, Star Wars Vader Immortal, that was the best one to go with first and then work your way up. And then once you're finished with Vader Immortal, uh, then maybe think about investing in this. I don't think it's a throwaway though. I think people should still buy this game. Like if, if you have a quest or you have VR in general, uh, that's not a quest. You can get revive, buy the game, emulate it on your on your you know Steam VR headset, and uh, you know it's still good. It's still Star Wars in VR. I mean, who doesn't want that, right? Like, I mean, the 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 the, the seven year old me who was uh, the most we had was Game Boy games is like freaking out that this is even a reality. But yeah, uh, so true. This is, mean, we've come a long way since the days where I was playing Star Wars: Return of the Jedi on Super Nintendo. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like this is this is literally a like what all of us kind of dreamed about like i mean playing star wars in our backyard and swing toy lightsabers around like this is as close as it gets to being in that reality and like like more like aside from being an actor in a movie like yeah you know, well, even then it's hard to get like into it right right yeah are, yeah, yeah. like a, a movie set this is the so. most cinematic the, theatric experience most that immersive can, yeah it's the most immersive star wars you're ever going to get and it's only going to go up and the more money that gets thrown their way to keep doing this kind of thing is just going to help it get better right and and i'm always fingers crossed for a star wars vr pod racing game but uh you know we'll see what happens there so <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know i mean that's that's all i got as far as as far as this one goes was that all your questions or yeah, you went through them all. Uh, all we, right. co- we covered a lot of them when we were just chatting. So Right, yeah. All right, yeah, well, that's. I uh, guess that's it. I guess, um, I don't know, what do we have coming up next on, on the calendar? We've got, uh, we've got the... High Republic? Uh, higher, yeah, we got the High Republic uh, recording uh, next Monday. And uh, I have recently been in touch with an, uh, an acquaintance of ours that uh, we met at a, uh, a Star Wars event at a toy shop a couple of years ago. And he's one of the one of the guys that helps run rebelscum.com. He's also launching a new website of his own. So uh, we're going to get him on eventually as well, which will be pretty cool. And he's going to be talking to us about the, the Star Wars collecting business, which he's been in for quite a while uh i think cool yeah i forget how old he is Uh, he's he's in his 40s uh or 50s he's been around a while since the beginning of collecting obi-wan that's right is that them yeah yeah uh no not it's not him uh (laughs) but he you know rebelscum.com they're they're, they're kind of specialized in the collecting business so they come they come as close as as we can to uh Uh, to uh to steve but uh high bar that steve yeah it's a high bar to hit i mean i did i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie i did send them an email um yeah i don't expect to hear it back but uh, if, if they do, if they do uh, email back uh, from Rancho Obi Wan, then it'd be cool to get him on the show. But who knows? So, anyway, thanks again for coming on the show, man. I guess we'll, we'll catch you in the next one. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Sweet. 
All right, and uh, thank you everyone for tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod. It's always uh, it's always a pleasure to chat here with uh, with friends and, and make some entertaining entertaining conversation for you guys at home. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you enjoyed this show uh, and uh, want to share it with a friend, that would help us out a lot. Uh, just recommending it, word of mouth. That's kind of how. Uh, we get more listeners in and, and all that stuff. And if you are listening on an iPhone or uh, via an app that can leave any sort of rating system behind, uh, please, if you can, uh, throw a uh, star rating our way. Five stars being the optimal best, uh, which would be absolutely lovely. Uh, it's an algorithm helping us uh, kind of get discovered in more search results and, and all that stuff. So that would be a huge help. And um, hopefully you guys like the show. I mean, I know it's been a while since the game came out. Same with Star Wars Squadrons, which dropped uh, two weeks ago with our review on that one. Uh, or maybe it was three weeks ago. I totally forget now. It all blends together. But uh, I do like to give us all of us a chance to kind of play the game and digest it a bit uh, before we start breaking it down and do a full kind of uh, talk about it and everything like that. So if you have played the game, hopefully you uh, uh, found some uh, some reason into listening in today. And if you haven't played the game, hopefully this was very informative and uh, somewhat entertaining for you guys to uh, potentially listen to. So I guess we'll catch you all next time on Star Wars Escape Pod. Lots coming. Uh, we do have more Rebels talk, potentially with Blake. If Diego uh, can't find the time to continue on, it's a bit of a tough schedule for him. But uh, we'll see what happens there. Lots more coming, uh, like I said earlier. So stay tuned on Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and may the Force be with you.